And welcome, movie fans. This is Josh the Merc Rainer, and I am here with the final part of the Merc and Movie Blog Summer Film Challenge 2019. We are here to break down uh, the top 10 domestic films for the year and see where the points fell. Uh, so, uh, first, I'd like to introduce my uh, guests today. Uh, returning is Seth Singleton. Seth, say hi. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. And Brad Flicky. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. All right. You may know these guys. Uh, they also do some work for me over on DC Comics News. They, they're they're great. Uh, they're on the DC Comics News podcast. Seth does the uh, Spinner Rack. Do some great stuff over there, so be sure to check that out. So we are going to jump into things. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, before we like, get into the top 10, I wanted to kind of like break down some of the, the ones that we kind of missed, uh, you know, when we were doing our guessing. And uh, we had we had some pretty big misses, I have to say. <laughs> uh, <Uh-oh>. So <laughs> I mean, not not like 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 we didn't miss like, you know, oh, the, 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 the number four movie or something like that. But we had there were a number of them that we guessed would be in the top 10 that did not end up being in there. Uh, so first off. For me, uh, one of my Dark Horse picks was Shaft. Didn't come anywhere near uh, the top ten. The projections for it had it coming in pretty high. Did not even come close. Uh, and I did not see that movie as well. Uh, for <laughs> for Brad, uh, your, one of your Dark Horses, uh, Brightburn, uh, unfortunately did not make the top ten. I really loved that movie, and yeah, I was really hoping too. it would do better, but... Unfortunately, people did not go out and see it too much. It only made like 17 million at the bo- at the domestic box office. So, oh, and then for Seth, uh, your number 10 and number eight picks, uh, which was uh, number 10 was Dora: uh, The Lost City of Gold, and uh, number eight was Angry Birds Movie Two. Unfortunately, neither of them made the top 10. I was actually kind of shocked that uh, Angry Birds did not do better uh, than it did. I am a little stunned myself that that announcement I was expecting to be like, yeah, and I'm like, no, really? Now, did that one did just... either of you see Angry Birds 2? Uh, I, I actually did. Yes. And, you know, I, I initially didn't have any intention to, but the fact that a lot of critics seemed to like it, I yeah. kind of was like, well, what's what's the deal with this? Um and uh, I admit I kind of kind of liked it. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the more adult-centered humor was was on point. Now, h- had you seen the first one? I did, but I didn't really remember much okay. of it, honestly, going into the second one. Yeah, I I have watched that one a few times. My daughter she she enjoys that one, but when I went and saw part two, I really I didn't have much. You know, I wasn't really didn't have much expectation really for it, but it. it I really enjoyed it. I thought it it, uh, it did really. I thought it was really good. A really good follow up. Uh, it was a lot better than the first one. I thought, and it was really shocked that uh, it didn't do didn't do better. Interesting. Yeah, that's really kind of surprising. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I'd heard you know some positive responses. So the fact that it never really gained or gathered any momentum to to get beyond you know where it ended up finishing that that's general you know really a surprise for me. Yeah, it makes me kind of wonder if people started to get a little animated out, you know, with Toy Story and with Secret Life of Pets and stuff. If, you know, and this because this one came out last month, so I was, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if maybe people were just kind of 
winding down and didn't really feel like doing the animated thing anymore, you know? Yeah. That's probably as good of a guess as any. Yeah. There's that too. Yeah, maybe it was just a timing thing or, or maybe that sort of excitement for an animated film was already met by something earlier in the summer and by the time this came out, you know, there was no longer kind of like if you got a sweet tooth craving, if you yeah. have something sweet, <laughs> that takes care of it. Something better comes along later. You're like, yeah, maybe it's good, but I filled my craving. I'm good. Yeah. All right. So the next part that I want to dive into are the numbers 11, 12, and 13 at the box office. Uh, all three of these movies are films that we all had uh, either in our Dark Horse or in our Top 10 that did not make it in. Uh, the number 13 wound up being Dark Phoenix. Uh, I had it as my number 10, and both you, uh, Seth and Brad, had it as your number 9s. Did not make it in there. I did not see uh, any of these three movies, just to kind of preface it. Did uh, either you see, I, I think, Brad, did you say, I think you said last time that you saw this one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I did. Um, yeah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty, mu- that's pretty much the reason I kind of just avoided it, because... I mean, I might eventually see if it's like on FX or something one day. I'll probably sit down and watch it, but I'm not in any rush right now to see that one. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it. Actually, my uh, office mate at work did, and his disparaging comments were just enough for me to go, wow, well, that's money I'm just going to keep in my pocket. Thank you. Between ticket snacks, uh, I'll save that for something else. Yeah. Uh, the number 12 was Men in Black International. I had it as my dark horse. Uh, Brad had it as his number 10. And Seth, you were the optimist uh, of the group for this one, had it at your number 4. I'm totally stunned. I really <laughs> thought that would have had a stronger performance, especially by bringing back two, you know, really great pieces of chemistry that we saw in Ragnarok. Um, yeah. I really thought there would be more appeal and this would be a chance to sort of revitalize what I feel has been a somewhat flagging uh, enterprise or series of films that had started off so strong and now it's struggling to keep that same magic alive with each new version. Yeah, like it's funny because I still haven't seen this, but I I rented it yesterday and it's sitting on my desk and I have not watched it yet. (laughs) Sitting there. Uh, I will hopefully watch it tomorrow just to kind of see how it is. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about this one, Brad? Uh, you know, it's it's funny that you bring up the uh, the Ragnarok chemistry because I I kind of figured that that would be enough to get some butts in seats. Yeah. But it just it just didn't have a good enough word of mouth to to carry it forward, and it's just not something that seems to be kind of a franchise that's going generation to generation. It's like people aren't bringing their kids to see it. You know, like yeah. people who kind of grew up on that movie aren't bringing their kids to to see it. Yeah, I think the poor reception of, of part three kind of soured it for a lot of people and they just didn't really want to come back for it, you know? Yeah. I've only seen yeah. like half of part three because I just, I, it felt kind of boring and I just yeah. <laughs> I wound up turning <laughs> it off. I never finished it. <laughs> All right, and the number 11, which I was really surprised. This one, it came close to making it. I think it was like 15 million away from hitting the number 10 spot, and that was Rocket Man. Uh, Brad had it as uh, your dark horse. I had it as a number eight. Seth did not have this one on his list at all. Uh, I still haven't seen this one. It's one that I, I've 
been wanting to see. I just haven't gotten around to it, unfortunately. Uh, when it came out, I wasn't re- like I had like that Cinemia account, and then it got all shut down, so I wasn't going to see stuff for a little while, like right around that time, and then I never ended up getting a, a chance to see it. So I got to rent this one. Uh, so uh, what about what do you guys think about uh, Rocket Man coming so close to hitting that number ten spot? Well, for me, um, I'm I'm a little surprised that it didn't get in further. If you go back to that first episode that we did together, remember, I'm the one who blew it and thought that it was some sort of remake of like Rocketeer or something like that. (laughs) But since I hadn't heard there was any press, I thought, oh, well, this must be like some low budge or or it's playing off the name and it's some crappy usage of the licensing or something like that. And then when we were talking, I was like, hold on, this isn't this is the Elton John biopic. Or, you know, what? Oh, man, I'm an idiot. This has got to do better. And from that whole time, I was kicking myself. And now I can't believe how stunned I am to see that, that this didn't take off. It seemed like the one project that, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like the uh, the lead, uh, Edgerton. Um, is it Taron? Um, yeah, Taron Edgerton, yeah. Thank you. That, that he's really been looking for that more serious project that can sort of launch his career. Uh, because he's been good in some great things. I mean, I, I really loved him in uh, the uh, the two spy movies he did, which were oh, just Kingsman, a, yeah, yeah, with Kingsman. I thought he really shone, and this seemed like he was trying, like Eddie the Eagle, like he was trying to branch out, you know, into that more serious sort of family sort of thing that can give him a more recognizable name. And I I thought this would do it. I'm just really surprised it didn't have it enough to make the top 10 did brad did you see it do you do you have any sort of idea of like why this didn't get that same sort of response we saw with uh what was the other one that was before it that was such a big bohemian deal bohemian rhapsody yeah with bohemian yeah. rhapsody i kind of felt like this was going to tap into that same energy and there's been a couple other music movies that have done really well what what was missing i mean i i just said this when we recorded the last one that it kind of fell flat to me and i still stick by that but i think as far as how much money it made i mean i'm not sure exactly what the final numbers were but uh it made 96 uh 96.3 i'm surprised because you know it's kind of funny you know my facebook feed there was a lot of people talking about it and seeing it and i thought it did a little bit better than that i'm kind of surprised i think that had it come out at a different time of year it might have done better it seems like summer is pretty, you know, pretty competitive. So, I mean, I don't know if maybe that had something to do with it or not. But, you know, the, I can sum it up by saying when I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, I went home and listened to some Queen. I saw this movie. It did not inspire me to go home and listen to Elton John. So, oh. For what that's worth. I mean, that's. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that. That's actually interesting because that reminds me of there was uh, there's this funny little Internet thing you guys might have seen. And it had been for like the uh, there was a band that was about to perform. And before they went on stage, they had Queen playing on the loudspeakers and Bohemian Rhapsody came on. And everyone who was a fan for that concert was listening and started singing along to the music playing. And it was this thing where the recording of that was so popular because eventually they started cutting out the lyrics and just playing the music. And people were singing along word for an entire crowd there to see a completely different rock band was singing every single word, every beat, every note, every moment. 
and maybe it's just like when it comes to Queen, there's just that energy that that comes from the songs and goes into the movies in a way that, for all the the relevance Elton John has had, maybe he just doesn't have that same sort of energy, or maybe the movie didn't capture it. I'm not sure. Um, but that's a pretty interesting thing that you mentioned that, you know, you leave Bohemian Rhapsody and you want to go home and listen to Queen. You leave Rocket Man and no Elton John to be played. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to get into our top 10 domestic films from 2019. Starting with number 10 was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, let's see. I had uh, guest number nine. Seth had uh, it coming in at number three, and Brad had it coming in at number seven. Uh, mm. This one, I haven't watched it. I do have it sitting at home. I got a uh, review copy of it from WB, but I have finally watched the first Godzilla and Kong Skull Island so that I could watch this one. Uh, I finally watched them over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, for, for you guys, did either of you see this one? Yes, I did. Okay, and I I enjoyed it. Um, okay, how'd you like it in comparison to the to the other two? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. I don't. Um, I probably I think I liked um, Skull Island the best. Okay. Then the Godzilla remake, and then this one. But okay. I I still would give it a thumbs up okay yeah I, I really enjoyed skull island quite a bit it was i thought it was really well done the, the cinematography was beautiful um the, the godzilla one i was a little disappointed in uh so i'm, I'm curious as to how i will uh take this one so uh, okay so our number nine was once upon a time in hollywood uh this is one i did not have uh, on, on mine um i guess i i really just was underestimating Tarantino. I didn't think at, uh, that this movie would make $130 million, but it did. Both of you guys had it as, uh, as your dark horse picks. So uh, what would you guys think of this? I I loved it. Um, and it's and it's, a, it's one of those movies that stuck with me, like after I had seen it. Um, and I kept trying to figure out why. And it kind of had this this kind of melancholy feel about it that I couldn't place my finger on, I guess because the whole Sharon Tate thing, but it's just, it really did make it, it stuck with me and I still haven't fully figured out why. Um, you, my first reaction was, and I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was some similarities in how it ended and Inglorious Bastards ended. Okay. And I just, I didn't want, I don't want Quentin Tarantino to be pigeonholed as that guy, <laughs> even though it was very effective and it worked. And I didn't put it on my top 10, uh, and not because I underestimated Tarantino as much as I underestimated the audience, because I always kind of figure that uh, as popular as he is, he still has kind of a particular appeal to people that it's not for necessarily everyone yeah. but i'm glad to see that it did so well because i'm a huge quentin tarantino fan okay and seth i know you haven't seen this one but what what do you what are your thoughts on how well it actually did well i'm intrigued by the fact that as we got closer to its uh premiere date 
and the buildup to that, I, I really noticed that there was a lot of emphasis placed on how many movies he's done and which number this this fit into that list. You know, almost as though it's something that's as much uh, about this movie as about how this fits into the whole list of movies that Tarantino has done up to this point. So that sort of got my attention and really made me think that this would be one of my strongest choices, even though it was my dark horse. It made me think that there was a, a relevance being placed on it that, Brad, I think you kind of touched on, which is the idea of the name recognition that goes with Tarantino. There's a certain group of the viewing audience that are going to go, Tarantino, I'm going to see it. I'm just going to see it. And whether it's the first movie they saw by him, or it's whether it's every movie, or whether it's just one of them that still pulls them in out of either curiosity or wonder, or so they can have that experience they had previously with one of his movies or all of them. That that really kind of made me think that this would have a strong showing, although on a personal anecdote side, uh, my wife and I got into an argument and decided to just like, give each other a bit of a break and she was like fine i'm going to the movies and went and saw it and did not like it in fact mm. maybe it was about the argument but she was really clear that she lost interest with the fact that she felt without giving too much away that there was a movie being shot within a movie or that the movie was about the filming of a movie in some ways which pulled her out of it and I said, well, what about the Bruce Lee scene? And she goes, you know what? I think I got it. You know, I think I was so tuning out. I started flicking around on my phone and I was like, wow, you're just the best movie goer ever. <laughs> and then the kicker was she never even finished the movie. She was bored and disinterested and left. And I, I was like, have you ever done that with a Tarantino movie? She goes, I have been a fan of Tarantino since Freeway. And I was like, OK, so, you know, or Highway. I can't remember which if you're familiar with one of his earlier projects where he was the uh, screenwriter for it and I think might have directed it. And that's her early, you know, um, recognition. And she's actually a big Tarantino fan to this day. Um, she loves to point out that uh, you're so cool is like one of her favorite lines, that it's this great sort of, you know, reflection on that, that sort of great honesty that can exist between two characters in love and that, you know, he's done a great job in so many of his previous movies that I was really stunned to hear that she didn't find this one captivating. And then at some point was frustrated enough to say, you know what, maybe I'm just not in the right mood for this movie. And anyways, I thought that was a bit of an interesting twist to which I said, well, now how am I supposed to see this with an honest opinion? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've already kind of stuck me with that. But I, I really am impressed that he was, even with that sort of, you know, mixed review, you know, positive from Brad, negative from my wife, that, that he was able to accomplish, you know, this kind of uh, standing come the end of the summer. You know, Seth, it's funny because that she walked out because I felt that at certain points it did drag. But the kicker is, is that at the end is the payoff. And it's kind of a bummer that she didn't stick around for that payoff. <laughs> so I would recommend when it comes out, rent it, watch it to the end. Even if you have to fast forward to it, she might have a different opinion. Okay. Yeah. And maybe I'll watch it and say that there was some amazing experience. And that'll annoy her just enough where she's going to watch it to the end with me just to figure <laughs> out what it is that I'm so curious. Or have now 
piqued her curiosity with and thus become the annoyance, which, hey, I'm just saying it's worked in my favor before. I'm just saying it could work this time. <laughs> All right. So our number eight was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Uh, this is the first one off the list that I uh, have seen. Uh, I had it coming in at number five. Uh, Brad also had it coming in at number five. And Seth, as the ever always optimist, had this one coming in at number one. Unfortunately, it did not make it quite that high. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still so optimistic. I really enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, I, I thought the, the, the CGI was good. I thought Ryan Reynolds' uh, voice work uh, for Pikachu was really good. I don't know. I, I really I had a fun time watching this one. Uh, what about you, Brad? Yeah, I did, and considering that I went into it with a kind of a rudimentary knowledge of Pokemon, so yeah. I, it wasn't necessarily from the viewpoint of a mega fan. And, yeah, same uh, for I me. Still, like I, I, I watched the, like the original series cartoons, but that was pretty much it. I played a little bit of Pokemon Go and like yeah, old exactly. school game, <laughs> the old school Game Boy games, but that that was about it. I didn't really follow it going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. I love the, uh, the kind of almost like Blade Runner-esque feel of the, of the like cities and stuff that they had going on and whatnot. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to see it from the trailers. It's just yeah. how all that looked for sure. Yeah. It's like, I, I almost felt like uh, Decker was going to come walking through uh, one right. of the scenes, you know, <laughs> tears in the rain. <laughs> coat. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it would have been awesome. I would have totally yeah. been okay with it. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our number seven, uh, this is one that uh, I know Seth has seen secret life of pets Two. Uh, so I Ooh, had yeah. this one coming in at four. Seth did not actually have this one on his list, and Brad had it coming in at number six. So Brad got pretty close on this one. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Seth. What did you think of Secret Life of Pets 2? I have the distinction of having just seen this one, and I thought it was hilarious. I actually didn't see the first one. Okay. So I went in just blank slate thinking to myself, let me see how well this does to pull me in. And I thought in the first minute, it did a brilliant job. And within the second to fifth minute, I was like, I'm sold. This is going to be adorable, hilarious, and I'm going to enjoy every minute. And it, it was so great that it pulled me in that way because later when it reminded me that, you know, Harrison Ford is the old farm dog and these other characters who popped up where I, I knew I'd seen a reference to them in the previews, but seeing them, you know, revealed through the movie was just a great discovery and a lot of fun and everyone nailed it. All the voices were perfect. I really thought it did a great job to pull me in. And the funny part was the other night I'd bugged my wife like, Hey, let's watch detective Pikachu. You like Ryan Reynolds. Is that she was like, no. And I said, what happened? I thought you were so, you seemed really laughing and really enjoyed the previews I interpreted. And yet, come to time to pull the trigger and not even in the mood this one i recommend and instantaneously said sure let's that sounds like fun and in the first five minutes laughing along hilariously with me so i kind of feel like even if you haven't seen the first one which neither of us had it was such a, a well-crafted movie that it pulls you right in makes all the characters fun engaging and creatures you care about i mean a baby tiger named who uh, I'm sold. And it just did a wonderful job making all those feel like something that you're like, if I'm going to invest my time, 
I want to do it with these characters because they make me laugh, they make me feel, and what else can you ask for from a great comedy and an animated, and uh, one that's designed for adults and kids perfectly. Oh, and the cats? Oh, man, that that was so brilliant with the green eyes and all that. We were laughing our butts off the whole time because it, it did a great job of showing all those things that pets do and just making it seem so natural and so uh, instinctual that you're just like, oh, of course. And I've seen that. And isn't it just either hilarious, annoying or so funny to see on screen? So really thought it was brilliant. I was a fool for not having it on my list. I admit my weakness. And hey, learning is half the battle. <laughs> yeah, I do think they did a, a really good job of kind of making it kind of standalone from the first movie. Like, yeah, like you said, you didn't need to see it. Um, you were able to understand these characters without having previous knowledge of, of who they were. Um, you really just kind of it kind of makes it a little bit better, kind of elevates the experience, I think, uh, having seen it. Um, the thing I liked about this movie, I think I, I, we talked about this in the last time that we uh, we, we talked on this, was uh, the, the kind of like three separate story structure that they did uh, and kind of merging them at the end. I really enjoyed that, um, particularly the uh, – I love the cats uh, and the one with Snowball. I, I think that the main story with Max was actually the weakest one, uh, in my opinion. Uh, what would you think about it, Brad? Uh, you know, you brought up – my favorite thing about it and it's, it, for an animated movie it had a very interesting structure and in the fact that it was like three different stories i thought that was very very clever and well done and it had harrison ford as the yeah. voice of a dog what's not to love about that so yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that that was enough to 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 get me to uh, to enjoy it all right all right so we're gonna move on to our number six and that was fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw uh, I see. I did have this at number six. Seth uh, was close at number seven, and this is uh, the one that Brad did not have on his list. Uh, I have not seen this one yet, and I know Brad, uh, you saw this one. So, what did you think about it? I enjoyed it. Uh, you you kind of go into a Fast and Furious movie knowing what you're going to get, and yeah. if you go in liking that and expecting that, then you're going to to dig it and it's kind of fun to watch them try to outdo themselves with the stunts and uh this one pretty much did it uh you know it was over the top and you know it was enjoyable and i'm still kicking myself for not putting this forgetting to put this on my list because i knew <laughs> that once we started talking about it that it would make the top 10 yeah yeah, I think it's funny. We each had one movie from the t- that made the top ten that we each forgot to add to to our lists. Uh, you know, <laughs> you have Hobbs and Shaw. Seth had Secret of Pets. I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just, I just find that really funny that we each had one that just kind of flew out of our brains and even think about it. It's gonna slip uh, through sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Seth is. Uh, are you a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise at all? Is this a movie that you want to see? What's your thoughts? I, to be honest, have, I saw the first two, and then two. from that point, I, I started checking out, and it became something that I would end up catching sort of through a bit of osmosis whenever I would go to a family uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner event at my in-laws. It's usually hosted at my uh, brother-in-law's house, and that's at uh, the house my father-in-law used to live in before he passed, and so everybody gathers up there. And one of the common themes would be at some point someone would start one of the Fast and Furious movies. 
And then the theme seems to be that you can't just watch one. So more often than not, I would catch for whatever. And I would find myself just going, oh, I remember, you know, this, some of these scenes from the previews. And then I would realize that that was the one that I was catching. So I picked up, you know, various pieces of them all just through looking across the dinner table while either eating the pre-dinner snacks or because the movie doesn't get turned off for dinner during dinner. And um, and I've had a chance to check them out, but I've never found myself going, man, I wish I'd started that from the beginning. I got to get right in there and, and do this whole thing. It's more just like, oh, look at that. That's a cool action scene. Let's see what's happening. And then something else will happen. And I get pulled away. So maybe it's my attention span when it comes to the subject material. Maybe I got my fill on the first two. But this wasn't one that was really pulling at me. And yet recently, because it's fun to use her as part of my discussion, my wife was like, yeah, I think that's one I want to see. Mostly because they go to the islands and she got some recent island tattoos with me. So I think there might be just a personal attraction there. Interesting. Yes, yeah, so I think that would be that would be an interesting podcast. Listening. Seth tries to recreate the Fast and Furious movies just from bits and pieces. I, I, I'd listen to that. <laughs> Family dinners, baby. I think I got some pieces here. Might be able to pull something together. <laughs> All right. So that that takes us through our the bottom half of uh, of the domestic top ten, and now we're going to get into uh, I guess what you call maybe the cream of the crop for this year. Uh, starting off with number five, which was John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. Uh, this is one that I still haven't watched. I actually, uh, along with Men in Black International, I rented this uh, yesterday, and it's, again, sitting on my desk right now. So I will be watching that soon. Uh, both me and Seth had this as uh, Dark Horse Picks, and Brad had this coming in at number eight. It did a lot better than I imagined it was going to do, coming in at $171 million. Uh, for its total domestic run, hitting that number five spot. So, uh, Brad, what did you think of uh, John Wick Chapter Three? Well, Keanu was unstoppable. He's breathtaking, as you said. <laughs> <in E3. laughs> uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, I want to say, a smart man's uh, Fast and the Furious in a way. I, I just think that audiences really find uh, the character very compelling and yeah. I, I i don't think that we're done with john wick for a very long time i think we'll we'll be seeing john wick for a while and, and that and that makes so. me feel good to hear you know I, like yeah. i said i haven't seen it yet but i'm glad to hear that uh they don't uh, just completely cap it off so yeah yeah definitely not uh seth what do you think about the friend have you seen the other two films i have and okay. it was actually the uh, the first one that really caught my attention. And when I heard about it and saw some previews, I told my wife, I, I think this is something we want to watch. And we're we have two dogs. If you listen to any of my episodes of the Spinner Rack, you can hear my <laughs> French bulldog Bruno like snoring along with me because the dogs must be near me at most given moments. That's our sort of love affection with animals. So when they killed the dog at the first one the puppy like there was a part of us that was just like everything is on the table do whatever you got to do the bad guys we don't care we we're okay with all of it and it was just kind of like a glory fest for us at that point um and then by the time the second one came then it became a different story which i really enjoyed which was in order for him to exact the vengeance he wanted to take out he had to sort of open up something he wouldn't be able to close easily again. 
And it was always sort of, you know, pointed out in the first one, like, look, what you're starting can't just be stopped. And I love that the second one carried that on. And I, I love the idea that this third one would, would keep this story going, that there's always going to be these repercussions simply because he made the choice to, you know, pick up that big sledgehammer, break the concrete and dig out his old life and, and really do that. And I think, Brad, you really touched on something great, which is based on your experience and my anticipation that that this is a film that can, a franchise that can continue to unlock what it meant when he broke that concrete like you thought it was about the one time no actually it's about everything else that he was involved in it, it all gets started back up again and you can tell so many great stories with that so i can't wait to see this one i think it was just a timing for me and my wife about getting in there to see in the theater but i know i'm gonna catch it and i'm looking forward to how many other stories we can tell about john wick what about you josh yeah, I, I love the first two. Um, they're some of my favorite action films, and uh, it's been, I've been waiting to see this one. I missed it in the theaters, so now that it is finally out on Blu-ray, that's why I was like, I had to, I rented it like that day that it came out, or like a couple of days <laughs> after that it, that it came out, and uh, so I, I'm really excited to to check that out this weekend because, like I said, I've loved I've loved those movies. I've watched, I've watched the first two a bunch of times. I just watched uh, part two again uh, just last week. And I, I love it even more than, than the first time I saw it. So uh, I'm pretty pumped to see this one. All nice. right. So we're going to get into number four. Uh, well, a side note that I wanted to just kind of throw out there. The domestic totals between our number four and our number five are pretty uh, staggering. Uh, like I said, John Wick was $171 million. Our next one, which is Disney's Aladdin, came in at more than twice that at 354.5 million dollars a crazy gap in between there so we you can kind of see where uh, people were kind of going this year uh these top these top four movies they really they they're the ones that pulled in the money you know as you can see the the, the bottom six none of them broke 200 and then all of the other ones are three 350 and above so for aladdin uh, I had this one coming in at number seven, Seth at Dark Horse, and Brad was the closest at uh, had it coming in at number three. So uh, I I saw this one. Uh, I went to the drive-in with my family and saw it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Aladdin, the animated film, is my favorite of that of that era of of Disney animated films. Uh, but I still really enjoyed this one. I thought that they did a good job of. Uh, finding actors to portray uh, both Jasmine and Aladdin. I didn't mind Will Smith as as the genie. I, you know, he brought his own flavor to it, so I thought that was good. And some of the uh, story elements that they kind of changed up a bit, especially surrounding Jasmine and uh, Jafar, I, I actually really liked. Uh, made Jafar less of a like a like a pedophile essentially, uh, and, and and kind of I don't know. I I really enjoyed. Made her a, a stronger. Uh, character i thought i I really enjoyed it uh what'd you think about it uh brad yeah i i uh i agree uh overall uh you know i think when we talked about this on the last podcast um it it threw me off why they casted such a younger looking actor to me for jafar and then you brought up the pedophile angle and i'm like oh man that's exactly right and uh and i think those changes worked um i'm not I didn't mind Will Smith, but it was just something that 
I maybe because like you, it's my favorite of that era Disney animated yeah. films. And, and really, there was just, you can't really capture the the magic that Robin Williams brought right. to that character. You yeah. know, so I think yeah. he was just really just trying to do something different with it. You know, unfortunately for it's, it's a big it's a big task for him. Yeah, and it's something about it wasn't even his performance as much as it was his the him with the songs didn't yeah. quite hit it for me yeah but, some of them some of them did fall a little flat like he was holding back maybe trying yeah. to to not outshine robin williams it, it felt like yeah maybe that's it yeah and i i know for me some of the some of the there was a couple of shots uh this is something that guy Ritchie does it, it's he likes to speed up the the, the, the film that, that he's working on to make things look faster uh, and he did that a couple of times, uh, I think at the beginning and then again at, during the dance sequence at the end. And it bothers me every time I've watched this movie. Uh, it's just, it looks really bad. Um, and I, I, don't, I just can't get over how it, it just doesn't look good. I don't know. I don't know why he does it. He could have just left them dancing at a normal speed and, and had the songs going. It would have been fine. I don't know. Josh, that's awesome. I like that. You're like, it just looks bad. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it bugs I just don't like it. it does. It bugs me. I can't, I can't, I, that's the only criticism I have. It just bugs me. Hey. <laughs> Can't right, be so honest right there. <laughs> getting into our top three, uh, we have Spider Man Far From Home. Uh, Seth, you said that you did see this one? I really did. Um, yeah. Well, I really did see it. Of course, <laughs> I really saw it. Um, yes, I you did saw see it. saw it hard, really... man. You got in there. Oh, and you dude. Really I was in my seat. I was so planted. <laughs> I had weights to keep me. Nah, God. Uh, um, yeah. It was something I really enjoyed, mostly because I got the chance to, uh, you know, convince my wife, like, hey, you liked Spider-Man when you saw him in the Avengers film. So why not catch, you know, these movies that are his specifically? So we watched Homecoming. And what was great was after we saw it and she enjoyed it. And then we saw Far From Home. Afterwards, she told me, you know, I'm glad that I saw Homecoming so I could understand more about the character, more about the relationship with Zendaya and all the other elements of the cast that sort of draw you back in when it comes to that sequel what is it you're looking for for more of that and having that homecoming experience informed her with far from home but then she told me afterwards she goes you know what was great about seeing far from home in the theater it's one of those movies you want to see in the theater it really gave you that great theater experience and that was my favorite thing to take away uh was her experience as well but also for me i didn't get a chance to see homecoming on the big screen and getting to see a uh a solo spider title movie like this it was a great a really great job and i really thought it did so much to touch on what made it great from the first movie push forward and then really start expanding the universe uh i was really pleased with this one what did you think about it, Brad? I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that it acted as a really nice kind of epilogue to the whole f- phases of the MCU. Uh, and oh, man, from a fan's perspective, it's so bittersweet what's going on between talking about this movie, giving what's going on between Disney and Sony and trying to figure out what's up with Spider-Man, especially with certain things they set up for the future in the MCU that now they might not be able to use. Yeah. Um, but overall, as a film, I liked it. I, I liked what, how, what they did with Mysterio. Uh, I thought that 
I thought that yeah, worked. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great in that role. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's it was definitely one of my favorite movies of the summer. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough to see because like there's I know that Sony is still planning to do more Spider-Man films with Tom Holland. That is their goal. Uh, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, if it's going to be some sort of weird, different dimension, I, I I don't know how exactly they're going to. Or if they're just going to ignore any actual like MCU references, like they're never mention Happy Hogan or Tony again. You know, oh, I, I, I I don't know. You know, I think it'll be it'll be tough uh, you, to do this. Don't you think though that at the end, not to stay on the subject too long, but it w- it makes financial sense for them both to figure it out. It, yeah, I, I do. I, I definitely so, think so. I think it's just both of them just playing hardball, and I think yeah. that eventually they will come to some kind of agreement. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Disney was asking too much, and Sony wasn't willing to to negotiate down. Uh, and, and so I'm hoping that they eventually some meet somewhere in the middle and just get this thing going again. Uh, so our number two was Toy Story 4 coming in at 430.5 million dollars. Uh we actually all had this one picked at number 2, so yay for us. Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I really enjoyed this. Um it, it's not, you know, it's not my favorite. I think as far as Toy Story films goes, this one probably comes in at my number 3, uh behind Toy Story 3 and then 1. Uh, with number two kind of holding up the the back end for me, um, but I really I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I thought it it was it was fun to hang out with these characters. Unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of some of the other characters that I love. And hopefully, if they do decide to do more of these films, uh, we'll we'll get to see more like Buzz and, and Jesse and stuff like that going on. But uh, I I had a good time with it. Uh, what'd you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I liked it too. It kind of had all the points that I want in Toy, Toy Story movie. Yeah, it was funny. It touched your heart. It was. It had a lot to say that was. I don't know if "deep"s the right word, but you know, it 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 had a lot to say as a movie. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I think my order of Toy Story movies would be uh, pretty much what yours was. Like I I think that that's. I think that's the the way to rate them. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's like I I you know read and listened to a bunch of, of different reviews about this movie and what people were thinking about it, and one a couple of things that kept popping up uh, that I don't know just kind of like I I could see where they're coming from, but I definitely didn't see it that way. Where uh, one that uh, Forky was suicidal, I see that, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I was in that that mindset of a kid's movie so i'm not thinking about stuff like that but like you know he's trying to throw himself away he thinks he's trash okay i can see that um and then the other thing is that people were kind of getting mad that woody was trying to change forky like he was telling him how he you know what he needed to be uh and not allowing him to to be himself so i kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that brad uh, I I didn't see um, Forky as being suicidal. That's an interesting take um, because I, I think that that's putting a little what humans think of trash mm-hmm. as opposed to what Forky thought of trash. Yeah, I think Forky thought of trash as kind of like going home. It's safe. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's not challenging. 
whereas Woody was trying to push him to maybe experience more and broaden his horizons. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think I necessarily saw it in that way, but I mean, that is, I, I suppose that's an interesting perspective that makes me think about it, but it doesn't change my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of people like bringing these things up and I don't know if they were just reading the same things and agreeing with them or what it was, but I'm just like, I just don't see it that way. You know, it's like, I could, yeah. like I said, like you were saying, you know, the way that people think about trash. Yes. You know, you could, you could kind of put that together and, and, and in your mind think, okay, maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe he is kind of like suicidal, but yeah, you know, he doesn't see it that way. You know, he, that's a happy place for him. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> uh, and so now we are getting down to our number one, which is, of course, The Lion King with $523 million. I believe it uh, beat the domestic run. I'd have to double check, but I believe it beat the domestic run of Beauty and the Beast, which I think came in at just over five hundred. dollars uh, And I know me and Brad both had this coming in as our number one, and uh, Seth... You know, you were uh, not quite as optimistic on this one, had it coming in at number six. So uh, I'm going to start off with Seth. What did you think about how well this film did? Because I know you haven't seen it yet, but what were your thoughts on about how well it did? Well, I have no problem accepting that my choice was poor, uh, especially <laughs> as far as these rankings ending up. You uh, chose poorly. <laughs> I did not choose wisely. And and I'm happy to hear that it has done as well as it has. I really felt that one of the struggles, and you'll note that I gave it a six, whereas I had Aladdin down there as my dark horse. Both of these, I felt, were going to have to accomplish so much in order to overcome the shadows that they were trying to, you know, emerge from with or emerge from which is the animated versions that had come before them, which for so many people were a part of their childhood. I mean, I remember the video sales for both of those just being unbelievable. And that was in response to how many people had gone and loved it in the movie so much that they wanted to bring that magic home and, and have it with them. And I thought, I don't know how they're going to overcome that. And yet, even though that they're, from what I heard from you know both you and Brad, these these moments where maybe Aladdin didn't hit all of the spots, but did some great things in other places, wasn't enough to to pull it down. And clearly, with the Lion King, it was able to capture that same magic that the original animated version did. And I mean, you can't argue with the numbers there by beating the second place by, I mean, is it almost a hundred and something million dollars? It's really impressive that uh, that it was able to do that and more than happy to eat my words more importantly i'm happy to hear what you and brad had to say after i think did you both get a chance to see it yes i know yeah. i did yeah yeah i uh I, I really like this one i don't think that it necessarily um like brought new amazing things to to the story of the lion king it was pretty much the same movie uh, very few differences but I, I love the um like the, the the cgi of it you know the look of it uh, i thought that was really cool uh they did you know a couple of ni a, a neat things with it but uh in general i thought it was an enjoyable watch and i think that's mainly because the story of lion king is one that i enjoy uh, like the original film is, is one that i really enjoy and so just seeing it again and being able to look at this beautiful uh photorealistic 
uh, almost live action looking uh, animals doing, you know, talking pretty seamlessly. Uh, I, I really enjoyed. So what about you, Brad? Uh, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it looked amazing. It was very well done. So hats off to John Favreau. Uh, you know, but going into a movie um, for me, you like it or don't like it, but the rarest reaction that I get going to a movie is, hmm, that was a movie. Wasn't bad. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. great. And for some reason, that's kind of what I felt with Lion King. Uh, you know, as as beloved as the story is, it just didn't hit me with uh, a huge effect. Yeah, it didn't um, hit those emotional beats the way the, the anime one did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting because I would imagine that that's what it would have had to accomplish in order to get these kind of numbers, which makes me then wonder what was the underlying factor to push Lion King to reach this number one spot if it wasn't hitting all of those uh, emotional points that the anime did. Was it that it was able to achieve something so far that hasn't been accomplished, that photorealistic animals living uh, out this story in, in such an impressive way? I think that might be part of it. I think, you know, I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's nostalgia. It's that, you know, the, this new technology where, you know, this look, people, you know, they're like, I got to see that, you know, just got to see that on the big screen, see how that looks. Um, I think like what Brad was saying, you know, it's it's not bad, but it's not great. So it's like kind of in the middle. So people are like, yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty good. So it's like, it's not like people were saying, oh, that's not worth going to see. So people would still go and see it uh, for uh-huh. all those things. And, and, and the, lo- the sheer love for The Lion King. I think that's a big part of what uh, it's the same for for Beauty and the Beast. That was pretty much uh, a shot for shot remake of the animated film. Only a couple of new things and that it made over half a billion dollars, you know, just domestically. Um, So I I think a lot of it is nostalgia. It is, you know, just curiosity and things like that. And the fact that, you know, it's not terrible. It's not great. So people are still willing to go and see it. And Interesting. It, it kind of is the opposite of Men in Black, where it's something that people do want to take their kids to. It is yeah. that nostalgia factor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like my daughter, my daughter, my daughter really had a good time watching it. You know, she she's seen the the animated one, and she likes both of them. You know, so you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you know parents are taking their kids multiple times to see this thing. You know? Gotcha. Ah, that's really insightful. Thanks, guys. All right. So that wraps up our top 10. I'm going to run down real quick. 10 through 1, we had Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Secret Life of Pets 2, Hobbs and Shaw, John Wick Chapter 3, Aladdin, Spider-Man Far From Home, Toy Story, and The Lion King. So as you got everybody knows who's listening, who's been listening throughout the summer as we've been doing this, we've been tallying up all the points to see who had the best guesses for the summer and here we uh here we go coming in uh at number three with 34 points mr seth singleton i think uh i think we need to to get you (laughs) in the theaters more seth get you seeing these movies and uh and get getting and getting you going there then coming in at number two with 54 points a big gap there just saying big gap big gap (laughs) is uh brad 
And uh, I came in at number one with 60 points. No, I did not rig this. I swear I am not a crook. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the luck. I wound up getting the, the, the first three exactly right. I'm just saying. I, I knew I not those number Hobbs Shaw's would bite me in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you came, you came in real close. It's only a six-point difference, so, yeah. It's uh overall I, I want to get your guys thoughts on the summer in general uh as as far as uh you know films that we've seen films that have come out uh how do you think the summer has been for movies uh, let's start with you Seth well I'm not sure how you should weigh my opinion given my current standings and how far away I am from the top 2 clearly I'm still understanding how the summer experience has sort of changed from when I remember that for a while there, it seemed like after independence day, all you had to do was pick the Will Smith movie and you were kind of golden <laughs> and how it's now changed to what it is now, where so many of these uh, new versions of old classics are as much a part of the fabric as new and original stories, newer franchises. And I, I really think it creates a, a different sort of um, interpretation that that with a little bit of experience, you can sort of get the feel for it, just like having the your thumb on the pulse of anything. But clearly, I'm a little bit rusty, and one of the biggest factors might be how often I didn't go to the theaters to see movies and how that allows you to get that sort of feeling not only from your own experience but from the experience of those around you or just the experience when you're there. So um, I'm more intrigued, uh, if anything, to say, okay, what if next summer I step it up and double, if not triple, the number of movies I go to see, which would be like six, um, <laughs> and and see what that changes for my understanding or feeling for that sort of pulse. But, but you guys went a bit more often than me, and clearly your scores show that you know you were able to grab a, a greater sense of that. I'm really intrigued to hear what you guys had to say. Just based on what your overall knowledge is and how it was, you know, able to inform what your choices were and clearly how well you did with the rankings on this one. Yeah. So Brad, what'd you think? Uh, I, I think that we're kind of in a changing period of what the summer movie means. And I think the reason for that is three movies in particular, Black Panther, Infinity War and Endgame, because those all came out earlier and especially with black panther it did such numbers that this is this is like numbers of a summer blockbuster we can push the season up earlier and earlier yeah. and earlier and what you're having is you're having like between and i know that black panther came out in in february of all things which seems silly but you, you with these big marvel movies they're pushing it a little bit earlier and earlier and that those movies bring so many people into the theaters that it kind of clears everything out for the rest of the summer and you can have a, a, a godzilla or uh even a once upon a time on hollywood or john wick come in and do really well in the summer when they're not competing against those huge huge tentpole movies and i th i think that that is reflected in this year um but, you know, as far as Disney movies goes, those live action movies are always going to make gangbusters are always going to be high on those lists. And um, so that that certainly 
wasn't surprising. And same way with, you know, some of the animated movies, because that's the prime time to take your kids to see see the movies and that could be a reason why angry birds 2 didn't do as well because it was also close to back to school time yeah and uh so i think it's i think that all those movies that made the top 10 are kind of reflective of where the movie business is right now yeah and and this summer was definitely the summer of disney i mean the top four were all disney or disney adjacent uh films with lion king toy story 4 uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home and Aladdin, and they all, like I said, all made over 350 billion. I think the I calculated the total for just those four movies at 1.7 billion dollars, just for those four movies throughout the summer, and that's not including Endgame, which came out just like four days before the summer the summer season technically started, so it wasn't included uh, in in this whole uh, bracket type thing, um, and that made what th- almost three billion dollars, which is ridiculous, you know. So yeah, this has definitely been been Disney's Disney's year, and uh, a lot of other films have kind of fallen to the wayside in in, in the wake of all of that. That's absolutely uh, stunning. Those numbers yeah. are just freakish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like like I had said, you know, the the difference between Aladdin and John Wick. So you had the four Disney or or like I said, Disney adjacent films. The next film down that's not Disney is less than half of what uh, you know Aladdin made you know mm-hmm. so there's a huge gap there between what people are willing to pay for uh, nowadays you know it seems like Disney's the place to be uh, and, and there seems to be no stopping that this juggernaut you know <laughs> yeah it really is wow <laughs> all right so uh, before we wrap up uh, I wanted to kind of get your guys thoughts on uh, uh, since you know it's it's about three quarters of the way through the year uh, and just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what films you've seen this year that you've really enjoyed. Uh, and, and if you guys have any thoughts, like what are your maybe your top three movies that you've seen this year so far? Uh, so, Seth, I know you haven't seen a bunch, so I'm going to start off with you and just kind of see see what you've uh, what you've seen. Oh, that's an interesting yeah thing for me to just sort of look at um, as I'm kind of just thinking back really quick. You know, Endgame really made a a big impression on me. It really surprised me with some of the things it was able to accomplish. Um, And so much of what it did, just not only for that original story and that that first, as we've talked about this first phase, and how it was able to really tie in well to the uh, follow-up Spider-Man Far From Home, but also how it, it was achieving multiple objectives with one movie, which was closing the storylines for all of those characters who were part of that first uh, Avengers story and for many of those characters creating opportunities to, to sort of either change their direction or, or close their chapters completely, but then also provide all these great insights into what the future could be for all those new characters. Um, that, that movie really impressed me. It gave me uh, an idea of just what could be possible to close out maybe phase two and what, what, could be a really amazing experience when that movie uh, eventually comes to fruition and all these characters that are part of this next phase have told their you know individual stories and now are telling a larger group narrative. Um, I think Brad did a great job of pointing out the one of the other movies I saw, which was uh, Far From Home, which was this great epilogue to all of that and also a great way to, as he pointed out, bittersweetly, close that chapter and 
interestingly enough, maybe close to chapter of Spider-Man in the MCU, which was its own interesting development outside of what anyone could have predicted for those two movies. Uh, that that following storyline afterwards just seemed to really add an emotional weight to it. Um, so those would probably be in my, my top two. I'm having a little trouble remembering if I caught a chance to see any other films besides the more recent Secret Life of Pets 2, which for me just reminded me that these, you know, I think you really pointed to something, Josh, the idea of how this kid's movie could be a sequel and yet completely accessible to someone who was totally unfamiliar with the property like myself and came out of it going, that was awesome. That was hilarious. I'll probably watch the next one. And when I see it, the uh, first one is available, you know, streaming somewhere conveniently. I'll just pop it on and know that I'm going to have just as much fun as I did on this. one. Yeah. Um, so it was really great for me to sort of get that range of these two movies sort of closing chapters and doing a wonderful job of doing so on such a grand scale. But then also just a really fun, you know, family film that I would be happy to put on in front of my nieces and nephews or anyone of any age and say, hey, we're all about to have a great laugh. And even my parents are going to chuckle along with us. All right. And what about you, Brad? Uh, I have a lot of movies that I saw that I liked this year. Um, I think ones that kind of stuck with me that I kind of have an appreciation for right at this moment, uh, definitely Endgame. Um, yeah. What they accomplished with that is just phenomenal. As a comic book fan, um, it's the first one of the first times where they really captured what it was like to read an actual comic book and that where I ever thought that I would see on screen a story like that, that I could read in the comic in that same way. I never thought I would see that. And it was just an amazing accomplishment. Um, I us really stayed with me. and I'm one of the few people that um, liked it better than uh, Get Out. Um, I, I think for me, med- it's, pr- it's pretty much on par. Like I think I like them fairly equally. They're di- they're different enough, and I think I I like them. E- I'd have to rewatch them again, just kind of like maybe back to back, see kind of how I feel. But I think I, they're kind of equal for me. So. Yeah, I I really something about that really. I really enjoyed yeah. and I really liked um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I just okay. watching Quentin Tarantino direct what he does and how he paces things it's just always fascinating for me to watch and I really liked um, Always Be My Maybe and I guess the reason why that pops up to my head is because I really, that was the one on uh, Netflix right? yeah yeah, I rarely like romantic comedies, but there was something about that that I really enjoyed. And it's such a rare thing that I like romantic comedy that much. So that kind of sticks with me just because I usually don't respond to romantic comedies like that. So those are four that I really enjoyed. All right. Yeah, for me, I, I agree with, with both you. Endgame, that's, that's, that's definitely there. Uh, that was my, that's my number three of the year so far. Uh, None of my top three have changed since the last time we talked about this. Uh, my number two still being Booksmart, which I absolutely loved. 
Uh, and I think people, you know, need to go check that one out and give it a shot. Yeah, man, it's a shame that more people didn't see that in the theater. Yeah. And my, and my number one being uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I absolutely loved that franchise, and I thought it was a perfect film, a perfect ending to that franchise. Um, and and I, people don't talk about it, you know, and, it's, and it makes me sad. You know, it, those those DreamWorks movies don't do quite as well because, you know, they don't have the Disney name on them. But uh, I, I really, I love the, the How to Train Dragon movies and especially this third chapter. Um, but there was one film that did break into my top five since the last time we talked. And that was Long Shot. I finally got a chance to see that along mm-hmm. with Charlize Theron and uh, Seth Rogen. I loved that movie. Uh, it, it's my number four so far of the year. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Um, it is kind of kind of a romantic comedy, but it's not your typical romantic comedy it's, it's a lot smarter than most of them uh it's, it's got some real good humor in it I, I, I really enjoyed it have either of you seen it uh yes, yes. okay and yes. what did you think about it uh, i liked it i liked it um and i thought from what i recall it was pretty long and i thought well i have a habit before i go to a movie i generally look at the running time yeah, because I, I don't know, it's just a thing I do. And yeah, I think it was a little bit longer than like what you would normally get. From right, like and that, I was yeah. like, oh, like so we have like another romantic comedy that's this long. I was thinking hmm, that's that's kind of unusual. Usually, that's kind of that makes me a little nervous. Usually, like uh, yeah, I've seen. I think it was This Is Forty, or I think that's what it was. Um, the the follow up to Knocked mm-hmm. Up, and that thing oh, was yeah. like almost two and a half hours long. It's ridiculous how long that movie is. Um, and yeah, so it, it always kind of gets me nervous when you get movies like this, comedies, romantic comedies, where they where they're long like that. But I don't know I, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't. Yeah, uh, the, it, the time didn't bother me when I watched. Me it. either. Yeah, it was it was paced well. I didn't feel like it it dragged it at all. Yeah. Another another one that I really enjoyed. Uh, just watched it recently. It dropped on uh, Amazon. Uh, recently. It was late night. The one with uh, Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling. It, I I really thought that one was was spectacular. Finally, one I have not seen. Uh, I yeah. did notice that it's on Amazon though, so I'm definitely yeah. If you get a chance, check it out. I, I thought it was really really well done. Uh, Mindy Kaling wrote this one. She's a a really smart uh, screenplay writer. She she worked on The Office, so like her humor I think is on point. And it, I think it, it really had something to say. So uh, I def, definitely give that one a check out. And one that I would be remiss to not mention. If you like cheesy horror films, check out the Banana Splits movie. I, 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 <laughs> oh, is that it's yet? yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think it came out uh, on the twenty seventh of last month, so just a few really? weeks ago. Yeah, oh, oh man, it's out on uh, on, on Blu-ray. Yet. Yeah, it's out on Blu-ray, and uh, check that one out. It is some gory, campy fun. Uh, I I had a great time watching it. It's as far as like quality of film, it is thing ain't winning any awards, but it was definitely a fun ride to watch. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so definitely check that one out. Uh, so yeah, that about wraps everything up, guys. Uh, if you guys got anything else you want to add to the conversation before we head out? No, no I think right. that's it. Uh, the only All thing right. I was just curious, um, if you can help me out, did do you know when Crazy Rich Asians came out? Do you know, did that come out this year or was that? I think it came uh, right out last year. Okay. Yeah. I'm yep. not sure. I, I believe it came out last year. Yeah. That was um, one that, of the only few that was still on. Like, I remember seeing that in the theater and 
that was something my wife had been like really explicit, like we're gonna see this one in the theater. I wanna I wanna check this one out. So I was trying to capture whether or not that had that had happened right before uh, the end of the year or not. Yeah, that one came it, out uh, August of last year. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, those yeah were I my enjoyed thoughts. that one quite a bit, really. So. But yes, that, that was wrong, wrong year this time. <laughs> wrong year. I, I can see that's how little I, I go to the movies. That's how much more I should be encouraged to go in. Who you knows? Should. We've got some great ones like uh, Joker coming up that I've, I'm pretty sure we're all pretty excited to try and catch in the theater uh, experience. And, and if you have a Regal or an AMC, they both have subscription plans now. So, you know, you can get into those both pretty, you know, pretty reasonably mm-hmm. priced. Yeah, and that's how I see all these movies because yeah. uh, the AMC, like, yeah, really, I, because like we don't have an AMC out by me. Like it's like the nearest one's like an hour and a half away, but we have a Regal within like a half an hour drive, and that's the theater I almost exclusively go to. And when they finally dropped the Regal Unlimited plan last month, I was as soon as it dropped, I snatched it up. It was like twenty one yeah. bucks a month, and it's completely unlimited. You can go as many times as you want. You can go as many times during the day. I went and saw like you know double features you can go and see you can just go see them back to back doesn't matter uh and, and it doesn't cost you anything more than the 21 bucks a month that you pay for it wow that's so huge. if you if you go and see two movies a month it's it's, it's already paid for wow okay yeah. nice good tips guys and I, i'm pretty sure the amc one is like the value is pretty much i think it's what three a week yeah so, uh 18 bucks or something like that yeah, yeah. the the one good thing about the amc is is the fact that uh you can go see like imax yeah and prime and all that without any extra yeah and i yeah. think with regal there yeah you just have to pay the up charge like i went and saw yeah. uh it chapter two in the rpx which is similar to imax um and they have both there but it's similar to IMAX. i think it was like five bucks i paid to go see instead of the like 19 that it would have cost <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so i'm like that's I'm the okay beauty of those passes like, yeah, yeah they here in new york where a movie right now is like 1750 those pay for themselves so quick yeah <laughs> a month one movie and it pays for itself so it's, yeah. it's definitely a good value absolutely so seth if uh, if you're looking to go see more movies i highly recommend doing uh one of those plans if you got one of those theaters i really like that suggestion and i know i've got a partner i can run that by and if she thinks it's a smart investment then we're golden because anytime i get her on board then it's like i've got you know a second vote like hey i was thinking of doing this i'll do that let's go and yeah. it can be so much easier to go yeah well all right now we're going well that was easy yeah. So, uh, and I know with yeah. the Regal with the Regal one, you actually also get 10% off all your uh, concessions. So, well, because the popcorn always smells better once you're through those doors. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that wraps up everything for uh, the Summer Film Challenge 2019. Uh, I, again, am uh, Josh the Merc Rainer, and uh, this has been a fantastic time talking with uh, both Seth and Brad. Guys, uh, let me know where uh, people out there can find you. Seth, uh, let the people know. Where can they find you online? Well, the easiest way to do it is to type in my name, Seth, and my last name, Singleton, and then add the word story. And I'll pop up on a few platforms. You pick the one you like. Send me a message, and that's how we'll start what I hope to be a great conversation. All right. What about you, Brad? Uh, you can find me writing uh, news and the occasional review on uh, DC Comics News. You can follow me on Twitter at 
uh, Flicky V1, F-I-L-C-K-Y-B, and the number one. <laughs> That's where you can find me. All right. And you, you can find us at uh, on Facebook and YouTube at Merc with a Movie Blog and on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Blog Merc. Uh, you can also follow me at DC Comics News. That's on all the, the social media platforms at DC Comics News. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us for this year's Summer Film Challenge. And remember to always watch more films. See you next time.